Grimm's Fairy Tales The Golden Goose There was once a man who had three sons, the youngest of whom was called Simpleton. He was scorned and despised by the others and kept in the background. The eldest son was going into the forest to cut wood, and before he started, his mother gave him a nice sweet cake and a bottle of wine to take with him so that he might not suffer from hunger or thirst. In the wood, he met a little old gray man who bade him good day and said, Give me a bit of cake in your pocket and let me have a drop of your wine. I am so hungry and thirsty. But the clever son said, If I give you my cake and wine, I shan't have enough for myself. Be off with you. He left the little man standing there and went on his way. But he had not been long at work cutting down a tree before he cut himself, and he had to go home to have the bandage put on. Now this was no accident. It was brought about by the little gray man. The second son now had to go into the forest to cut wood, and like the eldest his mother gave him a sweet cake and a bottle of wine. In the same way the little gray man met him and asked him for a piece of cake and a drop of his wine. But the second son made the same answer. If I give you any, I shall have the less for myself. Be off with you. And he went on. His punishment, however, was not long delayed. After a few blows at the tree, he hit his own leg and had to limp home. Then Simpleton said, Let me go out and cut the wood, father. His father said, Your brothers have only come to harm by it. You had better leave it alone. You know nothing about it. But Simpleton begged so hard to be allowed to go out. At last his father said, Well, off you go then. You will be wiser when you have hurt yourself. His mother gave him a cake, which was mixed only with water, and baked in ashes, and a bottle of sour beer. When he reached the forest, like the others, he met the little gray man. Give me a bit of cake in your pocket and a drop of your wine. I'm so hungry and thirsty, said the little man. Simpleton answered, I only have a cake baked in ashes and some sour beer, but if you like such fare, we will sit down and eat it together. So they sat down. But when Simpleton pulled out his cake, it was a nice sweet cake, and his sour beer was turned into good wine. So they ate and drank, and the little man said, As you have such a good heart and are willing to share your goods, I will give you good luck. There stands an old tree. Cut it down, and you will find something at the roots. So saying, he disappeared without giving Simpleton any further directions. Simpleton cut down the tree, and when it fell, lo and behold, a goose was sitting among the roots and its feathers were of pure gold. He picked it up and took it with him to the inn where he meant to stay the night. The landlord had three daughters, who saw the goose and were very curious as to what kind of bird it could be, and wanted to get one of its golden feathers at least. The eldest thought, There will soon be some opportunity for me to pull out one of the feathers. And when Simpleton went outside, she took hold of its wing to pluck out a feather, but her hand stuck fast, 
and she could not get away. Soon afterwards, the second sister came up, meaning also to pluck out one of the golden feathers. But she hardly touched her sister when she also was held fast. Finally, the third one came with the same intention, but the others screamed out, Keep away, for goodness sakes, keep away! But she, not knowing why she was to keep away, thought, Why should I not be there if they are there? So she ran up, but as soon as she touched her sisters, she had to stay hanging on to them, and they all had to pass the night like this. In the morning, Simpleton took up the goose under his arm without noticing the three girls hanging on behind. They had to keep running behind, dodging his legs, right and left. In the middle of the field, they met the parson, who, when he saw the procession, cried out, "'For shame! Why do you run after this lad like that? Do you call that proper behavior?' Then he took hold of the hand of the youngest girl to pull her away, but no sooner had he touched her than he felt himself held fast, and he too had to run behind. Soon afterwards the sexton came up, and seeing his master, the parson, treading on heels of three girls, cried out in amazement, "'Hello, your reverence! Where are you going so fast? Don't forget that we have a christening!' So saying, he plucked the parson by the sleeve, and soon found that he could not get away. As this party of five, one behind the other, tramped on, two peasants came along the road, carrying their hose. The parson called them and asked them to set the sexton and himself free, but as soon as ever they touched the sexton, they were held fast. So now there were seven people running behind Simpleton and his goose. By and by they reached a town where a king ruled, whose only daughter was so solemn that nothing and nobody could make her laugh. So the king had proclaimed that whoever could make her laugh might have her hand in marriage. When Simpleton heard this, he took his goose with all his following before her, and when she saw these seven people running on behind another, she burst into fits of laughter, whereupon Simpleton asked for her hand in marriage. But the king did not like him for a son-in-law, and said that Simpleton would first have to bring him a man who could drink up a cellar full of wine. Then Simpleton at once thought of the little gray man who might be able to help him, and he went out to the forest to look for him. On the very spot where the tree that he had cut down had stood, he saw a man sitting with a very sad face. Simpleton asked him what was the matter, and he answered, I am so thirsty, and I can't quench my thirst. Well, I can help you, said Simpleton. Come with me. He led him to the king's cellar, and the man started up the great casks, and he drank till the cellar was empty. Then again Simpleton demanded his bride, but the king was still annoyed. He had made new conditions. Simpleton would now have to find a man who could eat up a mountain of bread. Simpleton did not reflect long, but went straight to the forest, and there in the selfsame place sat a man making a very miserable face. He said, I have eaten up a whole oven of rolls, but what is the good of that 
when anyone is still hungry, such as I. Simpleton was delighted and said, Get up and come with me. You shall have enough to eat. And he took him to the court, where the king had caused all the flour in the kingdom to be brought together and a huge mountain of bread to be baked. The man from the forest sat down before it and began to eat, and at the end of the day the mountain had disappeared without a trace. Now for the third time Simpleton asked for his bride, but again the king tried to find an excuse and demanded a ship which could sail on land as well as on sea. Simpleton went straight to the forest, and there sat the little gray man to whom he had given his cake. The little man said, I have eaten and drunk for you, and now I will give you the ship too. I do it all because you were merciful to me. Then he gave him the ship, which could sail on land as well as at sea, and when the king saw it, he could no longer withhold his daughter. The marriage was celebrated, and at the king's death, Simpleton inherited the kingdom and lived long and happy with his wife. A Riddling Tale Three women were once changed into flowers, growing in the field, and only one of them was allowed to be in her own home at night. Once, when day was dawning, and she had to go back to the field to become a flower again, she said to her husband, If you will come by this afternoon and pick only me, I shall be set free of the spell and be with you night and day, as before. Then she left. The husband thought of his wife's words all morning. Then in the afternoon he went out into the field and unerringly picked the correct flower. Now the question is, how did the husband know her? The flowers were all exactly alike, and no difference in them could be seen. Well, the answer is this. Since she was at the home during the night, and not in the field, no dew fell on her, as it did on the others, and by this her husband knew her. Sleeping Beauty once upon a time there lived a king and a queen who had no children. Not a day passed that the queen did not say, If only we had a child. One day, as the queen was walking beside the river, a little fish lifted its head out of the water and said, Dear queen, you shall have a wish fulfilled. You will soon have a child, a daughter. What the fish foretold came true. The queen had a little girl, who was so beautiful that the king never tired of looking at her, and in his great joy he ordered a magnificent feast to be prepared. He invited all his relatives, friends, and neighbors, and the fairies as well, in order that they might be kind and good to his little daughter and bless her. Now there were thirteen fairies in his kingdom, but since the king had only twelve golden plates for them to eat from, one of the fairies was not invited and had to stay at home. All the others came, and after the feast was over, they gave their best gifts to the little princess. One gave her virtue, another beauty, and a third riches, and so on, till she had everything she could ever wish for or need. After the eleventh fairy had blessed the princess, the thirteenth fairy came in. She was burning with anger because she had not been invited to the feast, and was determined to have her revenge. 
So without so much as looking at anyone there, she cried out in a loud voice, The princess shall prick herself with a spindle in her fifteenth year and fall down dead. Everyone in the great hall was terror-stricken at this. But the twelfth fairy, who had not yet blessed the princess, came forward. She told them that though the evil wish had to be fulfilled, she could soften it. The princess shall not die, said the twelfth fairy. She shall fall into a deep sleep that will last a hundred years. The king, however, hoping to save his dear child from the dreadful misfortune, at once ordered all the spindles in the kingdom destroyed. Meanwhile, as time passed, all the fairy's gifts were fulfilled. The princess was so beautiful, so virtuous, and so kind and wise that she was loved by everyone who saw her. On the very day that the princess was fifteen years old, the king and queen were not at home, and she was alone in the palace. She spent the time wandering through the rooms by herself, looking at everything, until she came to an old tower. A winding staircase led to a little door in the tower, and in the door was a golden key. When the princess turned the key, the door opened, and there sat an old woman with a spindle, busily spinning flax. "'Good day, Granny,' said the princess. "'What are you doing there?' "'I am spinning,' answered the old woman, and nodded her head. "'What is the little thing that turns round so merrily?' asked the princess, and she took the spindle and tried to spin, too. But the instant she touched it, she pricked her finger with the spindle. A moment later the princess fell down upon a bed and lay quiet still in a deep sleep. This sleep extended over the whole palace. The king and the queen, who had just returned home, all the court fell asleep, too. The horse slept in the stable, the dogs in the courtyard, the pigeons on the roofs, and the flies on the walls. Even the fire on the hearth died down and went to sleep, and the meat stopped roasting, and the cook, who was at that moment pulling the kitchen boy's hair for something he had done, let him go, and both fell asleep. And the wind was so quiet that not a leaf rustled on the trees round the castle. Everything stood still, and everyone slept soundly. A thick hedge of thorns soon grew around the castle, and every year it grew higher and higher, until at last it hid the whole palace from view. Not even the flag on the tower could be seen. But the story of the beautiful sleeping Briar Rose, for that was the name of the princess, went through the country. And from time to time several princes came and tried to make their way through the thicket to the palace. They never succeeded, for the briars and thorns held them, as if by hands, and the princess and the princes were unable to free themselves. After many, many years, a prince came into the country from another land. He heard an old man tell the legend of the thicket of the briars and thorns, and how a great castle stood behind it, in which slept a wonderfully beautiful princess, and with her the king and queen and all their court. He related, too, how a great number of princes had tried to break through the thicket, but had been held fast. Then the young prince said, All this does not frighten me. I will go and see this hedge of briars for myself. 
The old man advised against it, but the prince was not going to listen. Now, on that very day, the hundred years were over, and as the prince came to the thicket, he saw nothing but flowering shrubs, through which he passed easily, which closed behind him as firm as before. In the courtyard he saw the horses and dogs laying asleep on the roofs, sat the pigeons with their heads under their wings, and when he came into the palace, he saw the flies sleeping on the walls, and the cook in the kitchen was still holding up her hand to strike the boy. And the maid sat with the fowl, which she had been plucking, still in her hand. The prince went on and saw the king and queen asleep in the throne room. And he went on still further, and all was so still that he could hear his own breathing until at last he came to the old tower. He went up the steps to the door, opened it with the golden key, and saw the princess lying asleep on the bed. She was so beautiful that he could not take his eyes from her, and he stooped and gave her a kiss. The moment he touched her, the briar rose opened her eyes and smiled lovingly at him. Then they went down out of the tower together, and the king and queen awoke, and all the court awoke too. They gazed at each other in great wonder. The horses stood up and shook themselves, and the dogs ran about and barked. The pigeons lifted their heads from under their wings, looked around them, and flew over the fields. The flies on the walls buzzed away. The fire in the kitchen blazed up and cooked the dinner. The roast meat turned round again. The cook gave the boy a slap, so that he cried out, and the maid went on plucking the fowl. Then the wedding of the prince and the briar rose was celebrated with pomp and splendor. They lived happily together all the rest of their lives. THE NOSE TREE A long time ago there were three old soldiers, who, when they were no longer able to fight for the king, were discharged from the army and they now found that they had to beg for food. Their way once led through a forest. When night came, two of them lay down to sleep, while the third kept watch. As he stood in the dark watching, a dwarf came up. "'Who's there?' cried the dwarf. "'Who are you and those other two? "'We are three soldiers, with no money in our pockets,' replied the soldier. And he told the dwarf how they had fared." The dwarf, in pity, produced a cloak, which he gave to the soldier, telling him that it was a wishing cloak. Whatever its wearers might wish, that wish would be granted at once. The next watch was kept by the second soldier, and he too received a visit from the little man, who gave him a wonderful purse that was always full of money. During the last watch of the night, when the third soldier was on guard, the little man came again, and this time his gift was a horn, at whose sound all men were bound to come running to follow its music. At sunrise each showed its wonderful possession to the other, and they wasted no time wishing for all sorts of comforts and riches and a great castle to live in. After a time so well off were they that they went to pay the king a visit." They were made welcome, as befitted the great lords they now appeared to be. The king had an only daughter, 
and in time she discovered that his purse never failed to have money in it, no matter how much he took out of it. She guessed at once that it could only be a wishing purse. This she must have. So, waiting her opportunity, she mixed a sleeping powder in a cup of wine that she gave him, and while he slept, she changed his purse for another one which looked the same. Next morning their visit came to an end, and the soldier drove away. They soon found out the trick that had been played upon them. Alas! cried one, now we are beggars again. Oh, don't be so sure of that, said the first. I'll soon get it back again. And throwing on his magic old cloak, he wished himself in the princess's room. There he was, and there she sat at her table counting out gold from the purse at as fast as she could. Help! screamed the princess at the top of her voice. Robbers! Robbers! Help! In an instant the alarm was raised, and the guard rushed into the room, followed by the whole court. Startled and confused, the soldier forgot the magic power of his cloak, dashed for the window, and escaped. But he left behind his cloak, and so he too had lost the dwarf's gift. Now they had nothing left but the horn, and this time they agreed upon a plan to recover the cloak and the purse. They marched through the country, blowing the horn, till they raised an enormous army, and then went into the king's city and demanded that the lost gifts be given back to them, or else they would destroy the king's palace. The king consulted his daughter, but she wasn't going to give up her treasures as easily as that. Disguised as a poor girl, she went into the camp of the soldier with a basket on her arm. When she was there, she began to sing so beautifully that the whole army gathered round her. The soldier who had the horn among them, at this her maid, who had also been disguised, stole it into his tent, hid the horn under her apron, and ran away with it to the palace. Now the king's daughter had all three wishing gifts. With the help of the horn, of course, she had easily been able to overcome the soldiers. Once more the old soldiers found themselves in poverty. We must separate, one said. You two go that way, and I'll go this way. And with that they went off alone, lying down beneath a tree in the forest when night came. At dawn he saw that he was under an apple tree filled with beautiful ripe fruit. He was so hungry that he picked one apple after another and ate them. What then did he find but that his nose was growing longer and longer until it reached the ground? There was nothing he could do to stop it, and so there he sat while his nose kept on growing along the ground till it went right out of sight among the tree, miles away. By this time, however, his companions had decided to rejoin him, and were wandering through the f and were wandering through the forest. Suddenly, one of them stumbled against something soft that was lying across the path. "What is this?" he cried as he looked at it. It moved a little. Upon my word, it's a nose. We'll follow this nose," they said. And through the wood they went till they came at last to their friend, laying on the ground where he had slept, unable to stir a step. Try as they might, the long nose was too heavy for them to lift. 
So they hunted about till they found a donkey, and put their friend upon it, with his nose wound round a couple of poles, which they helped to carry. But even the donkey could barely bear the weight, only a short distance. Now it happened that they stopped by a pear tree, and from behind it stepped their little friend the dwarf. "'Eat just one of these pears, and your nose will fall off,' he said to the long-nosed soldier." And so it came about, the long nose fell right off, leaving exactly the same sized nose the man had had before. Again the little man smoke it said, Prepare a powder from the apples, and prepare another powder from the pears. Then, if any one eats of the first, his nose will grow, and if he eats the pear powder, it will fall off again. With these two powders, go back to the princess and give her first two of the apples, and then give her some of the powder from the apples, and her nose will grow even twenty times as long as yours. But be firm. With these words he vanished. The soldier followed the dwarf's advice, and disguised as a peddler, went to the king's palace, saying he came with apples to sell, sweeter and finer than had ever been seen before. The princess bought some, and she ate two of them at once. Now her nose began to grow. It grew so quickly that she couldn't lift herself out of her chair. It grew round the table, and round the wardrobe, and one of the windows, and round the castle, and down the street, and all about the town, till there were twenty miles or more of princess nose in the kingdom. The king at once proclaimed that any one who could ease the princess of her terrible burden would be made rich for life. After a while, the old soldier presented himself at the palace as a learned doctor, and he gave the princess some of the apple powder, as the dwarf had advised. Her nose grew more and more, twenty times more. He waited until she could bear her distress no longer, and then he gave her a little pear powder but not very much, and her nose shortened somewhat. But the next morning he gave her some more apple powder, so that her nose started to grow again, and gain more than it had lost the day before. At that he told her she must have something on her conscience. She must have robbed someone. No, she said. She hadn't. Well, he said, you will lose your life then. There's nothing I can do to save you. And he went out of the room. This added to her terror, and after the king had urged her to return the purse, the horn, and the cloak to their rightful owners, she went for the physician and told him all. Then she handed all three things over to him. When he had them all safe, he measured out to the princess the right quantity of pear powder. The nose fell off immediately. As for the old soldier, he went back home to his two friends, and they spent the rest of their lives together in the enjoyment of the three magic possessions.